Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Dresmick Wicked is lonely on the lead. He's up by four on the outside. Don't tell me again. Cutting into the margin, but it's Mick Wicked four years later back at the top of the sport. Homicide Hunter who sweeps past on the outside. Homicide Hunter trotting into the finish. It's Homicide Hunter who will hit the line. 148 and 4, the fastest trotter ever. Dewey did done good down the boulevard of broken dreams. Walker Meister coming at him. Walker Meister on the outside getting the best of him. Walker Meister in front. Giddy Three wide, all bets off. They're at the top of the stretch. Rocket Ron turns first in the Battle of Lake Erie. On the outside, bit of a legend. Rocket Ron, bit of a legend. On the outside, bit of a legend. This year's battle champion, 23 and 1. Homeward bounding gold cup and soccer, 59. Somewhere, Pensy, rocking in heaven. Rose Run Quest is there. Here is the French connection. The alerts have won it. Fine. Twinkle takes aim in the passing lane. Now Caviar Alley in full gear outside. Sharton start a feeling. Caviar Alley all out. Sharton digging deep. Sharton's going to dig in here and get the win here. Sharton up on the front end. Then none shall pass for Tim Dietrich. Giddy-up. You're tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing post-time with Mike and Mike with co-host Mike Carter. Foiled again! Holds on to win! Foiled again, tough as nails! And Mike Bozich. The Iron Horse has cemented his legacy! that song all by myself on this Valentine's Day alone. Well, not quite alone in the post time with Mike and Mike Studios here in Oakton, Maryland, but uh, Mike Carter uh, had uh, had some things he had to tend to today. So Mike Bozich is standing alone in the, U- in the USDA uh, studios here on post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet American. We certainly appreciate each and every one of you joining us. Luckily, I have some good people to keep me company because we've got a great show on tap for you today, including Mr. Ice Cold, our man, Dave Weaver, will be joining us today. And uh, we're going to talk a little handicapping, maybe talk a little sports betting, talk a little bit about what's going on over at uh, TVG+. Plus, we've got a couple of award winners that will be joining our program today. Very excited to have on the program the newest member of the Communicators Hall of Fame, Dave Little. Of course, he, along with uh, Mark Hall, will be at the Usher Awards coming up on February 24th 
down at the Florida, and uh, certainly our congratulations to the most, both of them, most deserving, of course, Mark Hall and Dave Little. Dave will be joining the program. Of course, he's also a member of the broadcast team at the Meadowlands, and Melissa Keith will also be joining us, too, and she is a past award winner, not only in Canada, but in the United States as well, a two-time Hervey Award winner, and she's all, she also won the Standard Bread Canada Media Excellence Award back in 2015. We're going to get into her, or with uh, get into it with her about uh, quite a few topics, including promoting youth in the sport of harness racing. That's one thing that we desperately need to do. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about that and Ushma Canada's efforts to do that. But uh, if you're looking for the perfect Valentine's Day gift for your sweetie out there, it is Valentine's Day today. And uh, first off, I was listening to the radio this morning, kind of local Philadelphia, Baltimore talk um, on our radio dial this morning. And uh, something like it has gone down to like only 55% of the people actually celebrate Valentine's Day. I think Valentine's Day is one of those uh, holidays, if you want to call even call it a holiday now, but one of those hallmark holidays that has kind of hit the skids as of late. I think, I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like it has. It, it does for the kids. Like we did, you know, for Benjamin this morning, sending him off to school, we did give him the uh, the little cards to pass out to the classmates. But, I mean, as far as adults go, I mean, I don't know. Is it really a, a, a popular date night as it used to be? I mean, I'm sure it's it'll probably be better than your average Thursday night for restaurants and businesses. But, I mean, it's not going to be overwhelming, I think, that it used to be back in the day. It's, 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 it's lost a little bit of its allure. I mean, actually, when I was growing up, Valentine's Day was kind of a big deal. You know, it was kind of a big deal, but... Uh, just, I don't know. Maybe it's me that's getting older. I don't know, but it must be everybody else. Cause only like 55% of the people celebrate it, you know, 55% of the people actually get flowers and this and that. So, um, but I digress. If you're looking for the perfect Valentine's day gift for your sweetie, go over to ongate.com and the harness racing world that's listening in right now probably knows exactly what I'm talking about because there's a horse on ongate.com that you might have heard of. And her name is Atlanta. And she right now, the bidding closes, by the way, Friday at one. And the current bid is uh, six zeros after the one. So $1 million. And the next bid, next bid must be at least one million, one thousand. So if you've got a million dollars, well, and an extra thousand, laying around, and you want to get the perfect Valentine's Day gift for your sweetie, how about a Hamiltonian champion? Atlanta. Very interesting. But uh, nonetheless, <laughs> that's not on gate.com for uh, the folks listening that might be uh, sitting around with a million dollars and uh, nothing better to do. But uh, nonetheless, uh, so that's going on in the harness racing world. How about Sharton? She qualified at Dover a couple of days ago. She looked very, very good. She is getting ready for the blue chip matchmaker. I'll tell you what, the matchmaker is going to be very interesting. This is going to be a very interesting year for the mares. Uh, you know, and Sharton obviously with those horse of the year dreams still alive, will have to 
is facing a really a, a mountain of a McWicket, as I like to call him. He's going to be very tough to beat. Of course, he was Canada's older pacer of the year, as expected. And, um, you know, I mean, you talk about two great horses. Harness Racing was gifted with two really good performers this year on the mare's side uh, and the, uh, you know, the male side with the older horses. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But I will say, I, I think Sharpton's going to get a lot more votes than people think. I don't think she'll win it. I think uh, Mick Wicked will be the horse of the year when it's all said and done. But I'll tell you what, I think Shar- I, I, a lot of people are discounting Sharpton. I think she's got a little bit of a shot, and I think that she will get more votes than people, I think, will think. But uh, nonetheless, that is going to be interesting, and that is coming up. Gosh, what is today? Today's the 14th. Somebody stole my calendar. It's the 14th, uh, so, so basically we're 10 days away from the usual awards and uh, my man michael carter will be down there a lot of great award winners uh that will be honored at the usual awards we already have the o'brien awards up in canada that was a great time so we're gonna talk to melissa keith a little bit about that but we certainly join appreciate everybody joining the program melissa keith's gonna kick it off plus dave weaver at the top of the hour mr ice cold and the newest member of the communicators hall of fame dave little will be joining us let's get to our first time out melissa keith is in the on deck circle you've got post time with mike and mike presented by bet america and the usta at Bet America, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the Bet America way. Post time, gates moving. They're off and it is on. Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. Ah, yeah, and don't forget to uh, take a listen to 
uh, our partner in crime, the other side of the Bet America Radio Network, the Thoroughbred side, Jason Beam. Make sure you check him out. He's got a daily show at the, on the Bet America Radio Network. Of course, ours is weekly and appears there as well. But he's got a daily show, and uh, you can check um, it out always. And all of his shows are archived as well, as are ours on the Bet America Radio Network. So make sure you tune in. We've got a great show coming up for you today. And uh, I've got company, and one of my favorite people in the sport of harness racing joins us now. And uh, she is a two-time Herbie Award winner, as well as the uh, Standard Bread Canada Media Excellence Award winner as well for Outstanding Written Work. One of Harness Racing's greatest authors of all time, Melissa Keith. Melissa, was that a good uh, good enough intro? <laughs> Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who do I make the check out to? <laughs> well, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. We're going to, uh, really wh- why we brought you on, we, we want to, and this is something that I think the, the sport of harness racing certainly needs to focus on and it, it has focused on. I think it's done a, a better job as of late in doing it. And of course, you're one of the main people in that mix, especially north of the border. And that's kind of trying to promote our racing to the youth. But let's talk a little bit about you. Back in 2011, uh, you won the first of your two Hervey Awards uh, for the uh, news and or commentary writing uh, category. And uh, back in 2016, of course, you know, you won another Hervey Writing Award. But tell us about those two particular awards, especially the one back in 2011, your first Hervey Award. Take us back in time a little bit and tell us how it felt to win your first award. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> it was unexpected to get the phone call from Ken Weingartner. I was uh, volunteering somewhere at the time. I can't remember all the details. I just remember getting that phone call and being absolutely floored. <laughs> Couldn't stop smiling. It was uh, for an article that was published in Atlantic Post Calls, and it was called uh, Horse Player Interactive, The Future of Live Wagering. I think I got the title right. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, the awards were wonderful. Um, Daryl Kaplan, who was editor of Trot, uh, was also a winner that year. So it was kind of a Canadian uh, scoop uh, <laughs> for the uh, writing awards at the Herveys that year. And we sat with the connections of the great Trotter Sandpail for the awards. So it was it was excellent. It was a really memorable time. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, then in 2016, you went on to win another uh, Hervey. But in 2015, you won uh, Standard Bread Canada's Media Excellence Award for Outstanding Written Work. Take us back, uh, and this is your first award in Canada. Take us uh, back and tell us how you felt when, when you got that phone call. Um, I'm trying to remember. Kathy Wade Vlar contacted me. Or are we talking the, the Hervey? Are we talking uh, the... Media excellence. Well, Sorry, let, I got let's talk about the media. Let, let, let's let's talk about the media excellence first. Yeah, that was for a story about announcers, which uh, <laughs> somehow I didn't interview you for, but I interviewed about half the announcers in the sport, including your co-host uh, mm-hmm. Mike Carter, was one of the uh, people whose uh, knowledge I tapped into. He was still at Buffalo Raceway at the time, but it was an article about what makes a good race call, and it came down to there seemed to be two schools of thought on that (laughs) so most of that article was um uh information from talking with uh sugar doyle who is at uh western fair of course uh 
one of the top tracks in Canada and uh, well-known, I think, throughout the industry. And also Danny Amand, who used to be the voice of Hippodrome de Montréal, um, also known as Blue Bonnets, who, who coined Boom Just Like That. So mm-hmm. they had two different approaches to race calling, and it was, it was quite fun to write that, actually. That was... That was one of the most enjoyable things to write. I, I don't know. I guess somebody enjoyed reading it too, but <laughs> just those well, interviews and talking to these guys, it was quite quite entertaining. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, you can never go wrong talking to race callers because, uh, you know, really we're all characters in one sense. <laughs> but, you know, M- Melissa, you've, now you've dabbled in race calling for a, a, a little, and, and uh, you know, obviously there's, there aren't really any women race callers out there that uh you know the, do you think that mold can be broken do, do you think that, that there's going to come a time where we're going to start to see more women race callers in the sport of harness racing and well thoroughbred racing too well it's it's one of those things where i guess it depends who you ask um, last season, actually, I ended up being the uh, main race caller at Canada's newest track. Right. I don't think that's a well-known <laughs> fact. I wasn't backup. I was the race caller at the track on two in Lacombe, Alberta. So that was quite uh, thrilling, and and it was a short season because it was their first year as a paramutual venue, but. Uh, it was it was despite cancellations related to track condition and weather snow in september which was not expected uh, <laughs> it it was a great adventure and i hope to get back there so uh yeah uh, th- you, you never know where i might turn up uh, it could be could be somewhere else in the near future Visiting with Melissa Keith. Well, Melissa, listen, if you ever get down Pennsylvania way, if you ever get to Harris, Philly, the, the boot's always open to you, and you're more than welcome to call a couple of races there. But let me uh, let me ask you this now, since you've, you've done some race calling, and of course you wrote that article back in 2015, getting some takes about what makes a, a really good race call. Now, since you've done it, and since you've, you've interviewed numerous announcers, what do you think, in your personal opinion, that, that makes a great race call? Oh boy. Uh see it's it's difficult. Part of it is just the person's voice makes a difference, but accuracy to me means a lot. A sense of humor is good. Someone who is uh you know, lively and uh entertaining that way. I love Larry Letterman always. Uh you know, um mo- most of the the prominent names are are in the sport, I think are are people who others agree are deserving of that position, you know, yourself, you have fans. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just one of those things. I think if somebody has that job as a track announcer, obviously they have enough people who, who support them being there. Um, I mean, in terms of what makes a really good race call, I guess enthusiasm and accuracy, those, those two things go well together. Vance Cameron, who you've had on the show a lot, I mean, he's he's fantastic. He, he does it all. Sugar Doyle also is just, he can really you know, bring bring the enthusiasm and at the same time, you know, he's he's not messing things up and, and you can see the race in your in your mind when you hear him. One thing about Sugar, and this is I think his unique now he he's a very unique race caller in and of itself and a lot of the terminology he uses and you know, some of the uh he, he puts in my opinion a lot of uh handicapping into into a race call. Like he he's calling yeah. it for the handicappers. But you know, if you watch 
not only just the race calls, but an entire Western Fair broadcast. It, he, he makes it seem like he's talking to you personally. It, it, may, it makes it a very, like, comfortable atmosphere, a really cool atmosphere. It's like, you know, when you turn on the Western Fair broadcast, you're like, you know, yeah, I mean, he's he's talking to me. We're amongst friends. It's it's really a cool way that I think, you know, Sugar Doyle, uh, you know, t- takes his job and takes his position. I, th- I think it's fantastic. The, the social media element comes into it a lot, too. I know that's been written about lately in the context of Pompano and Gabe Pruitt, who's also sensational at mm-hmm. that. You know, a really mm-hmm. good race call, but also personable and works the social media. So it's kind of like Sugar's doing that for Canada, I think. Like, he's the most interactive during the actual card and, and afterwards and uh you know, it, like you say, it, it does appeal to the handicappers, I think, and the betters out there can uh, t- tune into that and, and feel that it's something for them. It's why it's Canada's number two betting track after uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park. So that speaks volumes. Visiting with Melissa Keith. Melissa, that's a perfect segue because uh, I, I did want to talk a little bit about social media. And, you know, there have been a couple of articles as, as of late on Gabe Prude and what he has done. A very simple concept that he started with, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, somebody's going to write a book one day. It all starts with a hashtag, you know, <laughs> hashtag the, the send it in army. Uh, you what know, are you something, writing that? Something, something, <laughs> Melissa, something as simple and easy as that. Simple as simple and easy as that has really has, in my opinion, I mean, obviously it's helped handle at Pompano. Obviously it's, it's helped handle at Western Fair with the interaction that the announcers and the personnel of those particular have had with people trying to get more people involved and importantly for our, you know, best interest, getting more gamblers involved. Do you think that's a very good blueprint to follow for everybody in terms the of hashtags? Yes. Well, I mean, when, when well, you and, see and, those and, 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 and hats and things the, with the, the send it in. The interaction in social media at all. I mean, you know, the, the, the interaction. And you know what? Racing, I've, we've seen that really come around lately, the, just the overall interaction between, you know, announcers and, you know, gamblers and racing fans. Yes, I think it's valuable, and and uh, I mean it is it is free aside from the cost of whoever it is who maintains the account for the track or or um, whatever organization is uh, running this this uh, social media account. I mean, it, it just seems like why would why would you pass up on that? And that's what uh, brings me to a pet peeve I'll mention: tracks with abandoned. Um, accounts on on social media. There are a few. I'm not sure if it's worth mentioning names, but uh, they just seem like dead Twitter handles, and yet they are official and affiliated with the tracks. It would be nice to see tracks some responsibility for those, I guess, and some uh, self-image awareness, and either just close them down or maintain them because as you say i mean this is a tool that can be used to reach the betters and and attract people to your your track in whatever way you wish um why abandon them yet they're abandoned and some abandoned in the off season and that also seems strange so just yeah visiting with melissa, right visiting melissa keith now melissa with that being said do you think maybe going forward that there could be an organized effort a more organized effort maybe um 
Because right now, I mean, as much play, and it's getting a lot of play, but, you know, on social media, harness racing is, but it seems like it's from a lot of parties. It seems like, you know, every once in a while that there's too many wheels spinning in too many different directions. Do you see going forward maybe some kind of organized effort as far as the social media front is concerned? It's hard to say. There are official social media accounts from the breed registries, of course, you know, there's the USTA and there's Standard Bread Canada and other international accounts, and, and they are good for rounding things up. And there's regulatory information on other accounts. I think if people look at what Ryan Clements is doing on Twitter right now, he's attempting to make a, a blueprint of sources of information of uh, different harness racing outlets, uh, mm-hmm. magazines, websites, etc. So it's it's hard to round up. I don't know if it will ever be something where it can be completely tamed and rounded up because anybody can start one of these accounts. Anybody can proclaim themselves to be media. I guess at a certain point, like I'm head of Oshawa's uh, media credentials committee, it, it comes down to looking for the accounts that are most trustworthy or authoritative and I think that's where real journalism becomes a part of it and that doesn't happen out of the blue or for free or out of magical wishful thinking I think it's good to look to the official channels to to get the clearest uh, version of events sometimes there's a lot of rumors on social media and uh, yes. things mm-hmm. things that um may may not even belong <laughs> let's say i mean if you're a working journalist in this sport i think one of the the important things is knowing when things don't need to be out there and don't need mm-hmm. to be said um, or when you need to wait on a story. Everything doesn't need to be immediately out there. And I, I don't like to see the harm that can happen to reputations or um, somebody's business. It, it, it can be dangerous if it's completely out of out of control. So So that's why I like the official channels who can – kind of scrutinize that with some editorial oversight and some uh, common sense and, and hopefully not in, in anger or <laughs> retribution like some of the stuff you see on social media either. Boy, I agree with that a thousand percent visiting with Melissa Keith. Melissa, let's uh, segue again once again from social media, which uh, obviously is where the young people are, to youth and trying to get youth involved in the sport. And I know Ushua Canada and yourself uh, are making an attempt uh, you know, to try to get people involved at a young age in the sport of harness racing. Tell us about some of the initiatives that you guys are doing up north to uh, to promote the, the sport to our youth. Well, this is actually an Ushua national um, effort uh, that, that began last year, um, Dan Patch weekend. This was uh, voted in and approved near unanimously that Ushua introduce a youth membership category. And Ryder Skinner was the first youth member who rushed up to sign up at the awards gala. <laughs> so kudos to him, young horseman in the Delaware uh, chapter. And Jessica Hallett, who was a runner-up in the Hervey Awards this year, a writing division, um, she is another member from the Florida chapter who is a youth member of Oshawa. And the third is Canada's Nathan Bain, who does it all at uh, Leamington Raceway. He's a horseman, but he's also a, a race caller, handicapper, blogger. So all of these three...
three youth members were invited to join Ashwa by the youth membership committee, and they all said yes. They all had um, good credentials. It was clear that they were passionate about the sport. It wasn't simply a uh, something they were doing to get a grade at school or <laughs> a, a passing fancy uh, to to impress somebody it was it was something that seemed very sincere these these three youth who i would wager were going to be in the sport for life so they're they're interested from a media perspective as well and this year we're opening it up again we're going to be inviting three more selected youth to join ashwa as youth members so if anyone knows of any deserving youth who like writing, photography, race calling, video, blogging, anything to do with creating media around harness racing, we're always interested in hearing about them and, and they might get an invitation to join our chapter, or sorry, our uh, national organization, uh, a local chapter. So they can contact me on Twitter, that's at uh, Ushua Canada. Or they can contact any Ashwa chapter, and the website is ashwa.org or ashwa.net. You can use either. And just mention, you, you know somebody, a, a young person under the age of 21 who has an interest in, in harness racing media and might be a good candidate. We've involved the members, the young members, uh, extensively. Like Nathan Bain has been fantastic. He wrote one of our nomination biographies for our Dan Patch Award uh, nominees this year that we submitted on behalf of the Canadian chapter. And he was part of our chapter uh, annual meeting. So it's really good to see that level of participation. Good, good stuff. Well, Melissa, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And, and uh, once again, everybody, we encourage everybody to follow uh, Ushua Canada uh, on Twitter. Um, always give out very good information. And uh, where else can we follow you, Melissa? That's pretty much it, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's about it. There are still Dan Patch Award tickets available. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find out about that on the Ushua website. It's uh, the evening, Sunday, the uh, 24th of February, mm-hmm. so coming up very soon. And I can't think of a whole lot else other than recommending that people follow the career of Socket Away, who was the winningest three-year-old in North America last year. He's a PEI horse bred by Meridian Farm, and he's in his second start at Yonkers on Monday. He was just a very close second when he debuted there last week. So watch for Socket Away. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> Melissa, we appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you, and uh, we'll certainly keep tabs with you. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. All right. That was Melissa Keith, one of my favorite people in the sport of harness racing. I mean, just well-rounded, you know, very in tune to what's going on, not only in social media, but in, you know, promoting harness racing to the youth. And I, I just don't think you can have – uh, you know, you you can't have enough people like Melissa Keith involved in whatever business you're in, and, and thank goodness she's, uh, you know, included and involved in the sport of harness racing. Lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, including Mister Ice Cold Dave Weaver. I think we got him out of bed. It's eight in the morning over at in California. It's eleven here, so uh, we've got a three-hour head start up. So we'll uh, we'll talk to Dave plus uh, another Dave, Dave Little. Uh, just uh, nominated or not, he is uh, now a Hall of Famer, or will be soon, uh, newest member of the Communicators Hall of Fame, along with Mark Hall. So we'll talk to Dave about that fine accomplishment and much, much more. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the Bet America and the USTA. Dave Weaver's next. 
Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers, and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance, and new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Mike Bozich here along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA and Bet America. Mike Bozich flying solo today, but I've got plenty of good company. Good, good company, including this man that joins the program right now, Mr. Ice Cold, Dave Weaver. Dave, how are you, buddy? Doing good, my man. It's 8 a.m. over there, right? That's a, Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's 4 in the morning. We, we can do 8. My daughter's actually still asleep. She's got kindergarten at like 1030, so as long as she doesn't interrupt us, we're all good. Wait a minute, kindergarten at ten thirty. Yeah, it's a you know, when they have their first year of school out here anyways, they split it into an early start and a late start. So it's mm. kinda like the baby. You know, you got your baby race qualifiers early and she got the late assignment. Oh, gotcha. Well that's that's not a bad thing for mom and dad, let me tell you that's good for me. <laughs> Gives you you a little time to sleep in. Well, Dave, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, First things first, we're going to get into an array of topics with you. But first things first, I want to talk a little bit about Les Onaka. Uh, Of course, he's uh, your longtime broadcast partner on the quarters. And, uh, you know, looking at his GoFundMe, it is still open, I believe, right? And you guys are almost at your goal, 56,000 of 60,000. That's terrific. Well, I'm going to change the goal because that will always be open because he's always going to need help. So, um, yeah, we're, we're we're doing good to, to kind of keep him afloat here financially. Um, obviously, he hasn't been able to work in uh, well over a year now, and 
it's a medical situation as much as, you know, we wanted to improve day by day just seems to kind of be stagnant with, with just one difficulty after another, um, you know, diabetes is the root cause of, of all of his health issues, but he has asthma, so he gets coughing attacks and lately his legs have been not working properly. He's got nerve damage. Um, I think he told me about 30% now to about 50%. So he just really mm-hmm. saw, I saw him the other day. I mean, he's hanging in there, but you know, he needs all the obviously financial support, but just, um, you know, the mentally is, is what I'm trying to encourage him to somehow just, uh, stay positive. It's not an easy thing to do clearly, but I'm trying to just be a good friend to him and keep him motivated. And he, he's just got nothing to do during the day. His, his whole, life turned upside down because his pattern of going to the gym every day, handicapping the races, going to the races, well, he doesn't get to do any of that anymore. And I, I just can uh, really see how as much as the physical side of it has taken its toll, just the mental side, he's just got to be so bummed out about not being able to do what he loves to do. Well, I'll tell you what, he's got a lot of fans out there, a boatload of fans. And, uh, you know, that GoFundMe's got to be proof of it. I mean, you know, almost to the goal, that's pretty darn good. And that's a pretty lofty goal, you know, 60000 a day. So anyway, anybody that uh, head out to that GoFundMe and, and make sure you, uh, you know, contribute to uh, Les Onaka's fund there. Speaking of fund, Mr. Weaver, uh, if you're looking at, and I led the show with this, if you're looking for a, a vast for you, sweetie, if you got a million dollars laying around not doing anything, you know, uh, we've got a Hambletonian winner that's uh, on sale at OnGate.com. So I just, I kind of wanted to let you know, you know, for you big rollers out there. I know a few of those. I'll spread the word. Yeah, one million dollars. Well, you better hurry because the auction closes tomorrow at one, and uh, it's a million dollars bid right now. So that's certainly very interesting. Dave, let's, uh, yeah. Yeah, Let, let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about uh, your role at TVG, and I know you've uh, you've taken a role at, uh, at FanDuel too, correct? I can't keep up these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever they need me to do, I'm going to do. So TVG merged with FanDuel right. um, during the, the middle part of last year, and uh, coincidentally, uh, sports betting was approved in New Jersey right around that same time, and uh, we decided to kind of use our television platform to introduce sports wagering to some of our viewers. So we launched a show called more ways to win that basically talked about NFL football every week. And luckily um, they thought that I could be a part of that show and, and do a good job. And, uh, and I think we did a, a heck of a job uh, 17 straight weeks plus playoffs plus Super Bowl. I was flying back and forth between California and the Meadowlands where the sports book is FanDuel sports book is located. And, it was, uh, it was a big change for me, um, career-wise, to not be talking about horse racing all of a sudden. Let's talk a little bit about maybe the differences and the similarities of sports betting versus horse racing, and how maybe they can go hand in hand. And let, let me let me start by asking you this: uh, You think that this, the whole sports betting thing that is really taken off is this a is this a hindrance or does this help racing? I mean, if we address it the right way, it's got to help racing and and we can make it help racing because people that bet sports like to bet. And some of them realize horse racing exists. Others might not even know that the sport is there and how much fun it can be and how much money can be made from a value standpoint when you're betting the horses versus betting sports. We just need to, to get those 
eyes on our game. FanDuel has so many, I mean, millions of customers. If we can just market them, um, get a smidge of them to start playing the races, it would be massive. I remember when the Racino thing first came around. I think, uh, you know, the, the horse racing industry, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of, uh, I got their hopes up, so to speak, to maybe we can attract some of these slots players. And, and, and I think that, that you know, attacking the sports, uh, people that bet on sports is certainly a lot more feasible because I think really slots and racing are two completely different animals. But sports betting and racing, maybe not so much in terms of the fact that it does take, you know, more skill to be successful at both. And I think there are a lot of people that cross over that do play horse and sports more than people that sit down and play a slot machine and say, oh, I, I love betting horse racing. It, they are two different creatures. And it's just awesome to go out to the Meadowlands and see thousands of people that are betting. And some of them aren't betting the races and they're only betting the sports. But there are a ton that I see crossing over and playing both yeah. that – are just having a great time. It's one of my favorite spots just to see how crowded it gets on a, on a Saturday day and a Saturday night. And, it, you know, it doesn't mean that every racetrack eventually is going to have a sports book, but I think it would be a good idea just because that means those people are going to be coming to the track to bet. And that, that's what we need. Visiting with TVG's Dave Weaver, and uh, yeah, Dave, you're right, because I'll tell you, I, I go to Delaware Park quite a bit, and at Delaware Park, the sports betting is right with the the horse racing. I mean, it is right there, same floor, same area, everything, and I have to tell you from observing, it has certainly given Delaware Park in that particular area a shot in the arm because I mean, in, in a lot of places, in a lot of racinos, the slots are completely isolated, you know, completely far away from the racing. Mm-hmm. But you know, the sports betting in a lot of situations is right there at the facilities, right there in that horse area. And I have to tell you, I am pretty encouraged by some of the crossover. I see a lot of people that are in line waiting to play, uh, you know, sports, waiting to play the NBA or, or uh, you know, NFL when it was going on. And, uh, you know, a lot of them people will look at the races. It may not much yet with the program, but the interest is there. Yeah, I think it's our job to, to not, you know, separate them in, in the buildings as well and to throw some – horse racing monitors on and, and, and not hide the fact that, you know, you're at a racetrack, let's start playing some races while you're here. Dave, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about TVG. Now, I've got a lot of people that ask me, you know, I mean, on a smaller scale, when I do my handicapping show at Harris Philly or when I'm announcing it at Harris Philly or even when I fill in at the Meadowlands and do the show there, a lot of people ask me, what happens behind the scenes? Do you have producers talking to you? Do you have a, a set format? Do you just wing it? Let me ask you at TVG because, you know, TVG certainly I would think would be a lot more intricate than a, than a, uh, a handicapping show by a couple of guys. At, at a racetrack in the in the in-house feed, what goes on behind the scenes at TVG? Yeah, people probably have no idea how many people are actually involved to get a show done hour to hour and day in and day out. I'm actually going to be at Santa Anita later today, kind of with the Super Bowl over back on the horse racing side for a little while. So I got an email 
yesterday from my producer saying, okay, these are the hours that you're going to be on and, you know, here's who you're going to be on with and this is what I need from you. So we kind of get a little bit of a, of a rundown ahead of time, make sure we, we study up on what we're going to be talking about. We'll be featuring some races over the weekend that we need to know a little bit about and then which races tomorrow we're going to know. We've got a producer that um, will be telling us where we're going during the show. We wear an earpiece that, um, you know, we can be communicated to of what's next. Now, they're not telling us what to say per se, right. but they're saying, okay, after Goldstream Race 4, we're going to be going over to Santa Anita for a post break just to keep us abreast of what's going on. There's a director that is going to let us know when the commercial breaks are coming up. There's 10 or 15 people in the graphics department making sure that everything's correct and populating all the odds and tickets that we put out. There's somebody in tape running the backtracks that we need. I mean, there are a lot of people that people would not even realize are contributing to make it happen. A lot of moving parts, a lot of a lot yeah. of wheels in motion. Certainly, no question about that. I mean, it's a lot of people think it's just you know you turn the mic on and go, but it is way way more intricate than that. Uh, let's talk about prep work now. Obviously, as a as a as a host. Uh, or as a co-host, or what may, what, what have you, there is certainly a lot of work that goes into it. I mean, a lot of in home, home time that you have to work and try to, you know, brush yourself up on a lot of things. A lot of office time. How much prep work do you actually do? Like, say, during the course of a week? Well, sometimes you just can't do everything, and you have to prioritize what you know you feel is going to be important. For instance, yesterday we had. During the 12 o'clock hour, 11 races. We had races from Turf Paradise. From We had the first from Buffalo later on in the show. We had racing from Tampa Bay, Mahoning, Goldstream. How are you going to dedicate your time to every single one of those races? Right. So maybe you don't look at the five-claimer quite as much as you look at the $40,000 allowance race. And, you know, it just goes so fast that, you know, and after 20 years, I – pretty much have it down you just focus on what you feel is important visiting with tbg's dave weaver now dave obviously you've got your you know your production log and and you could put it on paper how you want it to go as much as you can but obviously during the course of pretty much every broadcast or every show you do there's going to have to be audibles that are called how many audibles would you say are called during the course of a broadcast well and what what hurts is when tracks don't stay on the scheduled post time and you know there could be a shoe repair or a loose horse or just some drag but that's what creates the problem when you think one race is going at 1208 and the next isn't going until 1214 and suddenly there's two races at 1214 and what are we going to do we should have to pick to show one on tape or do we show two at the same time and those are the things that make it more difficult when it falls off of what was originally scheduled to, to have happened as far as post times go. That's got to be the biggest thing. And, and, you know, and I have to ask you about this because it seems like almost every track is dragging after zero. Now, that's, that's got to make your guys' job really tough. Well, a lot of times we are actually given the, the post time the official post time that they know is going to happen. So even if the form says, you know, 1215, they tell us, look, it's really going to be 1222. So it helps that we're kind of already embracing that, that delay, but then sometimes that doesn't even go when, when that's supposed to go. Yeah. So it's difficult. 
Yeah. Well, Dave, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Real quick before we let you go, let's uh, let's give uh, the people a little bit of idea where they can follow you. I know you're, you're, you're a pretty big Twitter guy, obviously. So where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, I'm at Ice Cold Exacta. <laughs> That's uh, what I've been with uh, all along. But, you know, if you put my name in there, Dave Weaver, you can find me as well. But Ice Cold Exacta on Twitter. And I'm, I, I should get on there a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I am I am there, but maybe I should start sending out a, a few things a day just to, to, to let everybody know what's going on with me. But I'll be on, on TVG later today uh, at Santa Anita if you're watching. Now, ice cold. That is your is that is that your go to bed? The ice cold exacta. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm playing the pick fours and pick fives a little bit more now, just because it's fun to to make three or four thousand on a wager instead of getting twenty to pick up a hundred and six bucks on an ice cold exacta. But it's still, if if I'm gonna hammer a race. I don't like betting horses to win, especially at a short price. So I just want to find a horse that's going to end up underneath and, and hit it for, you know, 20, 50, 100 bucks. All right. Well, Dave, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Make sure you check out TBG a little bit later on today because Dave will be sitting uh, at the host chair. Dave, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. Thanks, Mike. I'll go put on my bid for a million and one dollar and see if I can get that horse. All right. Well, include me in for a couple bucks on that, would you? And I do mean a couple bucks. Hey, uh, are you are you going to be at the Dan Patch? Awards? No, Mister. No, Mister Carter will be down there. I'm going to be here. Uh, somebody's got to man the fourth. You know, we we all can't go down there and have fun. Tell him. Tell him I'll see him there. My brother um, is going to be owner of the year, so I didn't want to miss that. So I'm going to be heading down to Orlando next weekend. So anybody that's out there, say hi. Fantastic, buddy. Safe travels, Dave. All right, Mike. Thanks. All right, that was Dave Weaver, TBG's Dave Weaver, and a good discussion there about uh, sports betting and racing. And, you know, I mean, it's I think it's such a fine line, but I will say this. I do think that racing has got a chance of attracting sports players than slots players. And, you know, one of the encouraging things, like, like I said, Delaware Park, and obviously I haven't been to all facilities at the Meadowlands. I haven't been to all facilities that have sports wagering yet. But, you know, so far to the ones I've been to, the sports betting is pretty much right there with at, in the same geographical area as the racing. And I think that's huge. I think that is huge. I think, you know, now slots players, like I say, we're talking slots players are looking for the big payday. It's a lot more luck. Um, horse racing is much more skill-based, even though it takes luck for horse racing, obviously, too, but much more skill-based. Um, sports wagering, much more skill-based. So I think that is definitely a, a, a better uh, interaction possibility with racing. I think that racing has a chance to uh, get some of those players. And there's a, if you look at some of the early returns and the, and the uh, states that have legalized sports wagering, I mean, the money that is wagered, unbelievable. If, if racing could, could get some of those customers, I think it could be a good thing. A lot of people think it's a bad thing. I think it could be a good thing. It all depends on which way you look at it. Still plenty of on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA, the newest member of the Communicators Hall of Fame. Dave Littles of the On Deck Circle. Can't wait for this interview. Plus more up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America 
and the USTA. At BetAmerica, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the BetAmerica way. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Attention all breeding funds. Did you know Pacing for the Cure has a stud fee for scooter program? Your stud fee donations will help those living with MS with severe mobility limitations obtain a scooter and be able to continue to enjoy their love of harness racing. Contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org if you'd like to make a donation. Mike? In case you haven't noticed, Mr. Bill G. has begun pacing for the cure for multiple sclerosis. Join in on the fun and weekly contest on Facebook to guess where he will place in each race. Like and share our page. Great prizes available for the lucky winners. Better yet, come out to the racetrack and watch him race live. Let's start a Mr. Bill G. fan club and start blogging on the journey page of the pacingforthecure.org website. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. That's right. Get in the barn. We are so happy to be part of the Bet America Radio Network. Mike Bozich uh, flying solo today on the big show, Harness Racing's most listened to podcast post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USTA. And right now we're joined by the newest member of the Communicators Hall of Fame, Mr. Dave Little. Dave, listen, that current bid is still at $1 million. If you've got a million dollars laying around that and not knowing what to do with it, I've got a good idea what you can do with it. <laughs> you know, I think I, I have 40 or 50 I think I could throw into the hat, so maybe we can go partners. <laughs> 40 or $50? <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll own a small, small percentage. <laughs> yeah, certainly <laughs> me too. Well, listen, buddy, you've uh, – and you continue to have just a, a great racing career. Uh, newest member of the Communicators Hall of Fame. That uh, Dave, that had to be a, a, a great thrill when you got that news. Yeah, it, it really was because you know to jo- to join the ranks of the folks in the uh, Communicators Hall of Fame, uh, just a great honor. And you know, originally, Mike, the Harness Riders was conceived in 1948 uh, uh, with, among others, uh, my good, my dear late friend Murray Janoff. And at the time, it was composed of newspaper men who wanted availability to parking of all things at Roosevelt Raceway. <laughs> and that started the ball rolling. So 
for me to be one of the last newspaper people to get, you know, to uh, obviously still be a newspaper guy and to get into the Communicators Hall of Fame. True, I haven't been a newspaper man for three years, but let's face it, I'm very happy to be at the Meadowlands now in the TV department, but the bulk of my career was spent as a newspaper man at the New York Daily News, so it's gratifying to be a part of the Communicators Hall of Fame and to get in mostly on my resume as a newspaper man. That's right. You were the racing editor there, Dave, for, for gosh, for, what, a quarter of a century, 24, 25 years. That's certainly a, a long time. And and the, now you see nowadays where, you know, it's it's kind of it's social media. I mean, you basically uh, got your Twitter account now, so your Twitter's rocket and rolling, and uh, you're posting on that pretty often, uh, making tweets. But, uh, you know, going back to the uh, newspaper, uh, and, and, and I think a lot of people nowadays, especially the younger people nowadays who are kind of – you know, detracted from the the general concept of a newspaper. I mean, a, a lot of people just get their news online nowadays. Tell us about some of the work that you had to to, to put into, uh, you know, editing the the, the racing uh, articles and all that of the New York Daily News. Well, first and foremost, the news hired me in 1991, and it, the reason they were hiring me was because they wanted to expand. Get this: the harness racing coverage. So that in itself was just an amazing uh, uh, fact. Then when I get to the news and I become the racing editor, we had four pages of racing every day. We had obviously primarily the Naira track was the uh, featured track. We had the greatest public handicapper in history, in my opinion, the great Russ Harris writing the analysis for that. We had uh, yours truly writing the analysis at Yonkers. We had Tom Cavanaugh, a longtime uh, handicapper, writing the analysis at the Meadowlands. And then I'd have somebody like uh, Bill Finley or Jerry Bossert, whichever one of my quotes-unquote thoroughbred beat writers was available, to write the analysis at either Keeneland or Santa Anita or Gulfstream, whichever was the featured simulcast track. So there was no shortage of space dedicated to horse racing in the New York Daily News. By the way, on top of all those four tracks, we would still run Monticello as well, graded right. entries and results. So what's different between now and then? I mean, obviously, the, the, well, the answer is pretty clear. I mean, it's it's social media, obviously, and, and I think, in my opinion, racing has done a, a good job with, with social media uh, as far as getting their product out. Uh, you know, the the individual racetracks, a lot of the individual racetracks uh, post a lot of different things, especially on race day concerning their racing products. But, uh, I mean, what do you think mostly is different in the way we have to present the game now, Dave, between uh, your days at the New York Daily News versus now? Well, I still think there has to be a way where the older generation, and I certainly consider myself part of that, where the information from a guy like me can get to the guy who wants to go to the track and have those, what, what is Dave Little like in the sixth race today? You know, that type right. of thing. You know, what, what am I going to bet in the pick four? What am I going to use in, in the pick three? I mean, I still go to the Meadowlands when I go to work at about 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday or a Saturday. What's the only paper that I see? Uh, the New York Post, of course. Why? Because they're the only newspaper left that has a full analysis for uh, Belmont, Aqueduct, Saratoga, and, of course, uh, Harness Picks as well. You know, the last of the Mohegans there is my wife, Debbie, who does the graded entries in the Post uh, for Harness Racing. So I still think that there is a degree of difficulty in getting to the 55 and older crowd with social media because they do not walk around like right. zombies with their head looking at their palm uh, with the phone on. 
This is a good point. You know, when I was at, at Hazel Park, and, and we, we used to do well at Hazel Park. We we got, uh, you know, we had the Friday action on the apron with the dollar night and, uh, you know, the, the dollar hot dog and $2 beers and, and various other promotions. And we, you know, ha- actually had a pretty good live crowd. But one of the things that uh, Kenny Marshall, my boss, and actually the owners of the racetrack insisted on, no matter which way we were to use our advertising budget, but they insisted on newspaper advertising in the Detroit Free Press and the Detroit News. For that reason that you mentioned, you know, social media is great and it's good, and in a lot of cases it's free, but, uh, you know, it doesn't, and it does get our word out, but, you know, it doesn't cover the whole ball of wax of people that we're actually trying to get out. Yeah, the one thing that I try to stress to people, I think it would be wonderful if we had an army of 30-year-olds walking through the door, clamoring to the windows, and betting the pick forward to Meadowlands. But the simple truth is, when I leave the track after writing my recap at the end of the evening, it's normally about 10 minutes to 1 in the morning. And every single person there looks like me and is my age. So we still have to cater to that older crowd while trying to incorporate these younger folks into it. I think the biggest problem is, These younger people, they're accustomed to the slot machine, which takes no thinking. Now they're betting sports, which is basically Team A or Team B's got to win, so they still Mm -hmm. got, quote-unquote, a 50-50 chance. Now we're asking them to go to racing where there's 10 horses. They look at a field of – they look at a wall of statistics that to them looks like Greek. They can't understand a word of it, and they really don't want to take the time to learn it. And that's the biggest problem, I think. And that's interesting, too, because, you know, in, in let's take a look at fantasy sports. Now, in fantasy sports, which uh, obviously hit a big boom, especially about four or five or six years ago, right. uh, you know, there, in baseball and football, I mean, you're, basically you can have as much stats and look into as deep as, as you want to into it. I mean, it's an endless array of stats and numbers and this and that. And racing's kind of the same thing. And, and you know, and I know there's been a lot of attempts – um, I think, and I don't want to say dumb down racing because that's not right, but make more of a simplified racing program, simplify this, simplify that. Do you think that maybe is going in the wrong direction? Do you think maybe we should promote our sport as maybe the ultimate skill? Yeah, I think that it's something where, you know, if you want to challenge, try horse racing. If you don't right. want to be challenged, pick one team and, uh, you know, bet your $50 and watch the game. So, yeah, if we, if we bill it as that, something where you're really going to be challenged tonight, that's fine. However, you know, it's, it's a difficult challenge. And when people don't cash right away, they get bored with that. They say, oh, I just lost my $100. Let me go to, to the sports betting where at least I have a chance. So it's, it's, it's an extremely uphill battle, and it never ceases to amaze me that in this generation, when I see 30-year-olds interested in racing, of course it gives me a great thrill. And I kind of, kind of, and I kind of say to myself, gee, I wonder why they're interested. But I'm happy right. to have them on board. Visiting with Dave Little, uh, of course, part of the Meadowlands broadcast team, uh, newest um, newest member of the Communicators Hall of Fame, and uh, president of the uh, of Ushua's New York chapter, and also an announcer. And you've announced at several race ranks right now, the voice of uh, historic track in Goshen. And Dave, you uh, most recently, well, not recently, but what, about a month, month and a half ago, had a chance to uh, get into the Meadowlands booth. And I know that had to be a, a thrill for you. I really don't mind telling you that it, that it really was a thrill because yeah. I have been the caller at Goshen for 18 years. I have been the caller at uh, the Orleans County Fair for the last 10. And these are conditions, and obviously you know the, the, the score, Mike. You're calling from the infield. 
There's no uh, television backup. You're kind of out there on your own. Uh, there's a tree in the way. There's a tilt-a-whirl in the way. There's a corn dog stand in the way. And now all of a sudden you're calling it the Meadowlands, and there's zero obstructions. You have a TV, you know, a 60-inch TV in case you, you can't spot something. So I, I was nervous going in, and yet at the same time, it was really uh, ex- exhilarating in the way that everything was so clear. I really felt like I had a handle on things early. But, you know, from the first or second race, I was a little nervous. I hadn't called a paramutual race in 19 years. Wow. Mm. See, and, and that's Syracuse the thing. State I mean, Fair, yeah, so. yeah and, and that's the thing. I mean, you bring up a good point where, yes, I mean, it's, it's the Meadowlands, so there should be a, a nerve factor there. But, I mean, you know, the conditions that you call at at fairs, you know, is, oh my is much more challenging. I mean, at least logistically wise, than you know, a place like the Meadowlands. Yeah, when they go around the first turn uh, at the Orleans County Fair, which is in Barton, Vermont, and uh, Debbie and I make the trip up there. It's 350 miles one way, and it really is a labor of love. When they get into that first turn, I say, you know, here they come and there they go. Horse A, horse B, horse C. Now they're around the grandstand stage, folks. When we last saw them, horse A was on the lead by two. <laughs> <laughs> and I wait for them to come out of the turn a good six, seven, eight seconds before I can resume the call. With that being said, what were some of the challenges uh, you thought that that uh, the faced you calling at the Meadowlands? You know, really, the, the only thing that uh, uh, the, the chal- that was challenging for me uh, was, was nerves. And the only nerves that I experienced, oddly enough, you know, I, I do the show uh, every week, twice a week. Right. But because I was in Ken Warkington's shoes rather than in my usual spot, when my uh, director said go, I was almost like Ralph Cramden, hamana, hamana, hamana. And, then, and, and so, so doing the pregame show proved to be much more of a challenge than the race calls themselves. Because really, uh, you know, as soon as I called that first race, I said, oh, shoot, this, you know, this to me is something that I can do. And instead of being nervous, you channel that energy and you make it into confidence. And I, and I think it helped me get through the night. Believe me, I remember all, all the particulars. It was December the 20th. Seventh, and uh, once in a while I still go back to it because it was it was really just a joy for me. Yeah, you sounded good. Yeah, one of those chef of the future moments. One of my favorite all-time honeymooner episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Visiting with Dave Little. Dave, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Hall of Fame and the usual awards coming up ten days uh, from tonight. Uh, it'll be February twenty fourth, and uh, you'll have a chance uh, up on the big stage. Now, do you have your speech written yet, or do you have a couple of bullet notes written down, or anything that you know in particular that you want to say yet? Well, you know, I, I have an idea what I want to say. Um, my wife's a much better speechwriter than I am, so I might be prevailing upon her. But I think at Ushua, it really is more about thanking the people who permitted me, uh, you know, who gave me a chance to get uh, to get to this spot. And so, you know, I wanted to say, you know, I'm going to probably say thank you to some sports editors that people never heard of because, you know, they got me in the door and they helped me, you know, get these uh, uh, positions where I could have uh, other opportunities come along. I mean, I was uh, uh, a weekly co-host on Racing from the Meadowlands from 1995 to 1999. Then they let me go, and then lo and behold, 18 years later, they hired me back to do the job again. So it was, you know, what a, what an incredible ride that's been. Uh, you know, so you have to thank the people that gave you these opportunities. And if you're, you know, skillful enough and lucky enough to be able to take advantage of them and do a good job, then uh, these are the rewards that come at the end of the rainbow. And for that, I'm very grateful. 
Now you talk you talk about Debbie. Of course, Debbie's your wife, and uh, she is obviously active in harness racing as well. And she is uh, talk about what she has meant to you. And and obviously, you know, when you're in harness, well, when you're in any business, really, but in harness racing, like you say, you do have a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And obviously, she's been with you through uh, many, if not all, of those. Tell us what she's meant to you. Well, believe me, you know, when you find the, the, the love of your life uh, in, in your late mid-20s and you're able to spend, we'll be married 30 years in September, and, you know, she's seen the good and seen the bad. And when we first got together, you know, I was a wild, you know, gambler. and I loved to bet all my money and obviously, you know, in, in most cases lose all my money, as we know. And, you know, then as you mature, obviously, and you do things like buy homes together and take vacations together, that becomes less of a priority. And she's always been my biggest fan and always been a great supporter of mine. And that's always been, uh, you know, a great source of strength for me. And hopefully I've done the same for her. And now I'm so proud to see that, you know, she is, you know, the last remaining public handicapper who does harness racing so she is the true last of the mohegans and i'm glad that her sports editor chris shaw has the good um, uh, you know has the intelligence to know that there still has to be a voice for harness racing in the new york metropolitan area but uh yeah she's always been my biggest supporter and uh certainly my biggest critic as well and you need that in life you can't have somebody saying oh how great you are every single right. time because when that happens and that happened to me in my first go-round in metal and TV. You start to believe it. And yeah. that's the biggest thing, and that's, a, and that's a big negative. You need criticism along the way in no matter what pursuit you're doing. And uh, she's been willing to do that as well as give me uh, all, all the compliments when she felt that it was merited. And for that, I'm uh, very thankful and extremely lucky to have had her. Well, Dave Lins, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Congratulations on uh, your Hall of Fame induction. It's uh, certainly well-deserved. And uh, you're on Twitter now, and, and you, you post pretty often. So where can people follow you? Well, I tell you what, I, I'm at, um, uh, at Dave Little Big M. And, you know, people kidded me about it. And because, you know, I'm an older guy, you know, Twitter was kind of an adjustment for me. But Dave Brower kind of insisted. And then I had um, a, a great friend of mine, a young lady by the name of Leah Ustakowicz, who was in the Clyde Hurt workshop and became great friends with Debbie and myself. And she's a, a great reporter now for the New York Post. And she said to me, it's a good way for you to connect with your fans. And I said, fans? You know, I don't have any fans. What are you talking about? And then when the meeting started this year, that is the day that I opened my Twitter account. And then you see, little by little, it kind of snowballs. And I find that there's almost no trolling at all. It's people rooting for each other uh, to hit the pick four and, you know, what do you like in this race? And, you know, even I said last night, uh, you know, I was rooting for the skipper key in the national dog show. You know, it's just a nice way to connect with people and to have a good time with it. And, yes, to have some constructive uh, things to say about racing uh, in a good forum where there are people who are interested in what you have to say. So, yeah, it's been a great experience for me, and I definitely tweet a lot on race nights, but not so much the rest of the week. All right. We'll make sure you follow Dave Little on Twitter. Dave, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend, and the best of luck to you. And once again, congratulations. A well, well deserved induction coming for you, my friend. Mike, that's very kind of you to say, and uh, uh, continued success with Post Time and Mike and Mike. All right. Thanks, Dave. Be well. That was Dave Little, the newest, the newest member of the Communicators Hall of Fame. Of course, the usual awards coming up on February 24th down in uh, Florida. And uh, 
Good chat there with Dave Little. He's had an impressive career, and we certainly enjoy his work on the Meadowlands broadcast team. You can catch him pretty much every Friday and Saturday night, along with Dave Brower, Ken Warkenton, and uh, post-time of Mike and Mike's very own Jessica Otten and the gang, Hollywood Hayden and all that. Great, great staff, great group of people they have over there at the Meadowlands. We're going to take one final time out. We'll wrap things up on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by BetAmerica. Current bid still $1 million. That's a great Valentine's Day gift for somebody. Back in a flash. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. All right, we're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Mike Bozich flying solo today. Special thanks to all of our guests, Melissa Keith, Dave Weaver, and Dave Little, for taking time out of their busy day to join us. One final note before we let everybody go, our good friend uh, Jerry Hawes at the Blooded Horse. Uh, very good to see that they just had their Blooded Horse winter sale, and it was the strongest ever. Check out uh, the article written by Dot Morgan on the, the USTA. You can find that on US Trotting. Dot com, but uh, the strongest ever. That's that's really really good news. Jerry Hall's good good people. That is a sale that has been going on for 56 years. Standing room only. Good good stuff. So congratulations to the group at the Blooded Horse. We're out of time. We'll su- we'll see you next week. 10:30 a.m. First post for post time with Mike and Mike. Good night, everybody. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. No!